0: Welcome to
1: Boss Lady Energy. Boss Boss Lady Lady Energy. Energy. Y'all, we got that Boss
0: Lady Energy. Welcome back to Boss Lady Energy. I am here with one of my lovely co-hosts, Nikki. How you doing, girl?
1: Ooh,
0: Christmas is
1: time is here. I know. (laughs) That's how I'm doing. I'm I'm feeling (laughs) that Christmas spirit. In the holiday spirit. (laughs) I'm over here vibing to Christmas music, bumping it in the car. And me and Jarell are down know. to one car right now. So it's so funny because he'll get in the car and he's like, What the He's like changing the channels so quickly because he hates Christmas <laughs> music. And I'm like, you need to calm down. Christmas and country, we, he just doesn't do. <laughs> I know.
0: I don't get it. What? Okay, maybe we should get into Girl Let Me Tell You so we can do <laughs> yeah. a catch up and or catch up yeah. before Christmas. Girl, let me tell you. This isn't girl let me tell you. Like Is that- <laughs> related but like he hates Christmas music I remember him telling you that there's black Christmas music that you need to listen to I remember that a few years ago
1: which we still haven't played in our house so I'm actually going to ask him that when we get off this recording because I'm be like excuse me we need to start bumping those tunes then of your <laughs> yeah if, you're if not you want lo- to listen you don't want to bump music. my tunes we gotta yeah. but what the hell uh I yeah Chris- Christmas and country my man does not do that which sucks because I love country <laughs> and i love and
0: christmas, christmas music i don't know how to win <laughs> the yin to your yang Yes. So what's going on, girlfriend?
1: Uh nothing. We leave for Chicago in a few days. Um it's going to be really fun time. Uh I think I said on a previous episode we're hosting Christmas Eve at J- Jarrell's parents' house, their new house. So it'll be fun. Uh we're doing like a potluck. I'm excited. I'm going to make cornbread okay. stuffing, mac and cheese, all the good fixings. But it's weird because Jarrell was like talking about like Should um, everyone has to bring a thing, and I'm the secretary of like their family, like like little. Oh yeah, you told us this. They have like a little council so they have like a president. My man's the president of the family that's meetings. Right. <laughs> and they I do love it. <laughs> And they do this thing where they try to catch up and see each other once a month. It's a great way. I honestly I'm so envious that like my family doesn't do it. Uh my, my mom's yeah. side. Um or actually my side. Oh my god, that's weird. Anyway, um yeah. so he's the he's the uh he's the president and I'm the secretary. So I had to like send out my email like, "Hi family, this is where we're meeting this year and we all need <laughs> to bring something." So I'm sitting here thinking like we're going to get the goods. We're gonna to get like the honey-baked ham, we're going to get the mac and cheese, we're going to get cornbread stuffing. We have people on here saying they're bringing Italian beef sandwiches, chicken, pizza, uh, banana pudding. Uh, We have a green salad. Someone's bringing a green salad.
0: This is not Christmas Food, it's is it? Christmas. Everyone's either. just like, fuck it, I'm bringing whatever I yeah.
1: want. His cousin was like, should I do a shrimp and crab boil? I'm like, what are we doing? <laughs> but that's how they do Christmas. Girl,
0: I'll make my staples, okay? <laughs> don't worry about that, guys. I'm like, don't worry, guys. I'll i got sprinkle
1: it. in Christmas
0: somewhere in there. <laughs> and also bring some freaking Tums. Family. Jeez. Yes. <laughs> Every family's different. Every family's different. <laughs> I remember listening to Van Van's Van Lathan's podcast last Christmas, I think. Yeah. And it was the um last year was the big Pizza Hut like meal deal or something like that. Oh, I forget yeah. what it's called. And yeah. he was he was like the so big box. He got, Yeah, and he got that on Christmas. I was like, what? <laughs> but I'm, like ha- I'm like a ham I'm like a ham kind of gal. I like like a green bean casserole. And cranberries, you know, like kind of similar to Thanksgiving, but not totally. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I'm not really looking forward to Chris, like yes and no. I'm looking forward to Christmas this year, but I'm also not looking forward to Christmas this year. Just the way we're ending the year was a little weird. Um, But other than that, I mean, we're going to do this Christmas cookie decorating this week. Oh yeah. Sadly, you're not going to be here. For I that, know. you you always seem to miss it. But I always that's miss because it because
1: you go back home. That's that's I totally know. fine. Well, don't you guys do it the night before? Right, it's the night before. We're Christmas gonna do Eve.
0: it on the twenty third. Yeah, so yeah, we'll do it. Yeah, so the night, the day before. It's usually Eve, when we so.
1: always fly out because you know we got to be there by Christmas Day or Christmas Eve yes. uh, during the day. So. But you guys' cookies always make me like feel so like warm and fuzzy inside. You guys do a great job, honestly. Like you guys knock it out of the park. I love it. Love watching you guys doing it. And you, your Aunt you. Robin, like cutie patootie. She's so
0: funny. She's always like, I can't do it, and I'm like, Yes, you can. You've got that artiste in you. Just flow. I don't care how you make it. She's just so funny though, because she'll lick her finger and then she'll go and like touch people's cookies. And I'm like, I know Robin's listening right now. Yes, she Robin. Knows now I told her. I'm like, Rob, you got to take those cookies home with you. So she knows, especially during COVID times, girlfriend, you look at your fingers and you're touching the cookies, you got to take it home with you, okay? That's on your plate.
1: Oh, my God. Shout out Aunt Rob, though. Rob, you are our number one fan, girlfriend. We love you. (laughs) (laughs) So,
0: yeah, we're doing that this week. And um, yeah, that's what we're up to. Speaking of family, we dive in today on this episode about the holidays and family triggers and just all the different things regarding mental health and how we can cope with the holidays and things like that with our guest that we're Uh going to be having on, Dr. Courtney Tracy. If you've heard of her, she's the truth doctor on TikTok and on Instagram. And she was so informative and just, she's a no BS kind of gal. And we had such a good time talking to her and we can't wait for you guys to listen to this episode. So without
1: further ado, let's get into Dr. Courtney Tracy. Yay. We have a special guest joining us today. Her name is Dr. Courtney Tracy, also known on the internet as The Truth Doctor. Dr. Courtney is a clinical entrepreneur, licensed therapist, and content creator helping to shift perspectives in people who struggle with their mental health disorders or people who are connected to them. Dr. Courtney's work has been featured on Netflix, CNN, Good Morning America, Cosmopolitan, and the list truly goes on. Dr. Courtney uses her platform to talk about the world through a mental health lens with real, raw, and honest combos that are missing from the world of mental health. So please, we are so excited excited to welcome Dr. Courtney to the show. Hi, Courtney. <laughs> Hi. Thank welcome. you ladies so much for having me. <laughs> yes, We're so excited to dive in. <laughs> yes, we are so excited to have you. And one of the reasons why I think we wanted to have you on before the holidays was obviously holidays are coming up. Holidays, being around family can be stressful. All of these past emotions right. can get triggered. How do you recommend we help ease situations or avoiding it altogether to have peace?
2: Well, if we could answer this question, <laughs> I think we'd, we'd all be a little bit more prepared for I think being alive. <laughs> yeah. I think it really comes down to it comes down to boundaries, right? Like it comes down and that's not even like with family members, it's also with ourselves, like mm. how much how much did we stretch ourselves during the whole year? And if that is too much, do we realize that we may still be stretching ourselves during the holidays? Like how much are we giving to other people versus how much are we giving ourselves? Um, And are we allowing ourselves to have some fun? I feel like when we're stressed out, we think that the opposite of stress is relaxation, but Mm. sometimes it's fun. Mm. And the past two years have been really up and down for all of us. And I think we're all actually like pretty upset that we are still in this pandemic for Mm -hmm. the second time, not just because it's holidays, but because we're going into our third year with everything being the way that it is.
0: Oh, this is so true. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, uh, I'm pretty (laughs) sure I'm going to be dealing with stress and I don't, I, my body physically, I cannot do that right now. Um, And I don't. No boundaries with my family. So I'm learning that. Mm-hmm. Dr. Courtney. Uh, and how did you how did you create boundaries for yourself with maybe your family or like a, a, a personal experience that you've done that has worked for you to and not hurt other people's feelings? That's a great question.
2: <laughs> because <laughs> before I learned what boundaries were, I absolutely would hurt other people's feelings. Yeah. And but I was also kind of just a
0: bitch. <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> <laughs> <I> feel that. <laughs> me too.
2: <laughs> so you know, and 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 I don't know. I mean, I grew up in a really um, codependent situation. Uh, me being reliant on my mother's well being for me to be okay. Mm. Um, so I really like used that throughout most of my life. Was like okay, like the way that my mom was okay was if I made sure she was okay. So let me spend my whole life making sure that everybody's doing okay, and if they're not, it's my fault. Mm, So that made it really hard to set boundaries. Now, I'm at a place where I realize that, of course, through this codependent past, but more so just being a human being, it's hard to tell somebody Um, That you're not going to do something and that you're going to do something that isn't going to make them happy. Um, It's not necessarily the telling them part or the setting the boundary. It's dealing with their response. Mm. Yes. It's like if they were just like, okay, cool. You'd be like, what? Okay, cool. That went well. Yeah. (laughs) Doing that forever. But usually there's pushback Mm -hmm. in some way. Either the person's not used to boundaries at all, or they don't want you to set that specific boundary, um, or you didn't necessarily set the boundary in the way that you wanted to. So it didn't come off as a boundary, it came off as an ultimatum or Mm -hmm. a judgment or things like that. So there's really like, Specific ways to like set boundaries, and I think most people don't look at them in the way that they should be looked at, and they don't have the the coping skills, I guess, to like manage whatever the person's response is. Because sometimes the response can be like ridiculous, even when you set
1: a perfect boundary, and that's when it
2: gets messy. Yeah,
1: Yeah. that's really true. And Dr. Courtney, off the top, I. I know a lot about you because I've researched you and I've been following you for a minute, but our audience doesn't. So please take us through your journey. I know you weren't always a, um, you know, clinical entrepreneur. You're blowing up on TikTok and, you know, social media. So please tell us (laughs) um, all about you.
2: Yeah, thank you. Um, So yeah, I was born and raised in Orange County. My mom had me right out of high school My mom and dad weren't together. It didn't work out. My Mm -hmm. dad did a lot of drugs and drinking. Oh, no. Um, Mm -hmm. I have a half-brother that my mom married his dad that didn't last for very long. So we were two kids without fathers and a single mother living in my grandparents' house Mm -hmm. with my two uncles in a really small house with no money. So it was like a difficult upbringing. Substances latched on to me, and I latched on to substances starting at 13. Wow meth, cocaine, psychedelics, alcohol, marijuana, all of it. Wow. Met my boyfriend at 15, my husband at 15. We've been together since then, obviously on and off because it's been 16 years. Mm-hmm. We went through high school and college and all of that. I realized I wanted to study psychology. Uh, the only AP class I ever took in high school was AP psych. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how I passed high school and got in that class somehow, wow. but I did. Um, I realized... People had answers to the questions that I had when I was growing up. Why do people act the way that they do? How do people get better? Why are we suffering so much? And why do people hurt other people? So did community college, started there. My drinking and drug use really like took off from there. I was finally free (laughs) in one way, not in other ways. Dropped out at twenty, moved back home to Orange County. Started broke up with my boyfriend. Started dating my like middle school boyfriend. Um, he ended up passing away oh, of testicular wow. cancer at twenty.
0: Oh my gosh.
2: Dealt with that, then moved back up to college, got back together with my high school boyfriend, who is now my husband, Mm -hmm. and went through 12 years of higher education from that community college to bachelor's, to USC master's, to a doctorate in clinical psychology. Opened up my own businesses, did IVF, had a baby all at the same time. Wow. yeah, it's been Oh, a my lot. God. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, like I have so many questions on You're pretty on young, stage too, so
1: of what's
2: the of deal? of life, yes. <laughs> oh. But, you know, it really, it, it took a turning point when I had my baby, and he was three months old, and we got, me and my husband got into a tiff our first night out drinking after not drinking and me being pregnant and all this stuff for a long time. It ended up in an absolute disaster, a public news disaster. His mugshot was sent all over the city that we lived in. We got evicted from our house. Stop. It was like, and then later on, all the charges were dropped. And so it was just a mess, but I got really traumatized. I started overdrinking again, even though I owned a rehab I wasn't working with people one on one. I feel like, you know, that may raise a red flag. I understand that you need to be in a clear state of mind to work with people. Like, please don't come after me. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so I moved back home to Orange County at the end of 2019 after I was drinking. I had PTSD from what happened from like, you know, everything from my childhood. I wanted a baby, I wanted a new life. Mm. And then this happened. And I was like, (sighs) I fell apart. So I moved home and I realized I was a mom a treatment center owner and a therapist that was struggling with her mental health issues, went back to her traumatic responses, and was trying to hide away. Mm-hmm. I realized I was back in my hometown doing the same shit <sighs> I was doing that made me want to leave yeah. 13, 12, 13 years ago. So something needed to change. And I realized that that thing that needed to change was that I needed to be able to live my truth in my life I needed to be able to say, I'm struggling, here's what I'm struggling with, and all of my success does not make up for me being a human being. So I started the Truth Doctor account about one month after I moved back home, and from there, since then, I've gained almost two million people around the world following me on my platforms, learning about what the truth means to them, seeing a therapist say it's okay to be struggling, Um, and I'm sharing mental health information in a way that I would have absorbed it back then when I really needed it. The, the, the non blank slate, the non sterile, the non, and there's nothing wrong with me. And like, here's how you can be like me. Like, no, we are all human beings. We all struggle. And if we all admitted that, I don't think we would have this epidemic of suicidality and overdose And discrimination, because we would understand how our body and minds work, that we are all equal, and that we are all um, vulnerable to pain and suffering. And if we came together and told the truth about that, then maybe we'd all be a little bit more okay.
0: Right. We told Mm -hmm. the truth.
1: Oh, what a concept. I know, right? (laughs) I've had a lot of people in my life who have died of um, overdose, specifically heroin, um, and it is, a, I'm from Chicago, so I'm from the Midwest and it, and it's drugs and, and, and alcoholism and those kinds of, you know, addictions are all over, but I feel like in the Midwest, like mostly is where it's happening. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. just wanted to pick your brain about that because like, you know, I see people, one of the people who happened to pass away was my cousin and seeing them struggling, um, you know, as someone who also struggled with that when you were younger, how was that, how was it that you can help someone, a family member. I know you've dealt with it probably a while now um, with other people helping them. But as a family member, if I see that, or as a friend of someone seeing that, like, what do you recommend to do to help without, you know, making them more upset? Yeah, that's a really good question.
2: And I was going to say, yeah, it's it's hard because um, when people are addicted, they're running from pain. Mm -hmm. And they're running from self-judgment and judgment that they've received from other people. And so any type, usually, any type of uh, desire to help comes off as judgment and criticism. And even though it's coming from a place of love, it's hard to get that across, right? Because you may love them, but but another reason that you're reaching out is because you're afraid. Yeah. You're afraid that something's going to happen to them. And so they can sense the fear. Yeah. And the fear is like, oh, so now you don't think I can take care of myself. And the thing is, is usually they know that they can't because they're numbing the fact that they aren't able to. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like a really hard um, realization for people to come to terms with.
0: Yeah,
2: And like, you know, I think it's really, it's really hard. I have a brother-in-law. I've been trying to help him for the past 12 years. It hasn't worked. He is now in prison for the first time for over three years after almost almost taking the lives of quite a few people. And like, you know, for me to sit here and like, you know, I have 12 years of experience. I owned, I I worked for eight years in rehabs, half of that time owning my own. Um, And you can't, you can't, help everyone and what i mean by that is not that not that there's any lost causes but that sometimes they can only help themselves and it's because addiction is a deeply rooted defense mechanism it's a deeply rooted way to feel safe and secure Mm. and people don't want to feel not safe they don't want to feel the hurt they don't want to feel the pain so as a family member if you have someone that's open it's you know to you helping them it's first realizing is there any way that i'm showing up with fear over love at any point mm. like mm. oh my god i can't believe that you're doing that or you can't do that again or things like that it's like that just makes them want to run yeah wow. um and even if they're like oh yeah you're right it's like that's it's still an external motivation that doesn't necessarily become an internal motivation in the long term So if they are open, it's just making sure that you are conscious and give yourself a moment before I go talk to this person, before I suggest resources, can I put my love in front of my fear? And if you did do that, it would be acceptance of whatever their response is and knowing that you can't control it. Yeah. Because that's really what it comes down to, you know? And if you have someone that's super resistant, then it's really, and you know they're resistant because you've tried that first way before, it's saying- I am here if you need me, no judgment. And the thing is, is maybe you've said that and they're like, yeah, whatever. Like, I'm not going to talk to you. Or like, I don't have a problem or whatever it is. Even when people respond as though they are absorbing what you're saying negatively, if you said it positively, they still know that you said it positively. Even mm-hmm. if they react as though they took it negatively. Yeah. They heard you. They know. And, and they do come around when they're ready, if they're ready.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. If- I feel like I struggle a lot with the fact that I feel Mm -hmm. like I needed to save my cousin or save the people Mm -hmm. that I was closer with when I was friends with them. So I never knew that, you know, the distinction between fear and love when I'm talking to them. I didn't know that fear was creeping in because all I would be coming from was a place of like, I love you and I don't want to see you hurt yourself. So, I mean, that's really good advice now that the distinction has been made. And honestly, even it's tough to walk away when you have someone who's so resilient to say, I'm here if you need me. And then you sit on the sidelines and still watch them go through the same behaviors. So as much as it's hurting the person right. who's actually doing, the, you know, the bad things and having that addiction, it hurts the people around them too. It's, it's so it's so eye-opening to hear yeah. you say that fear and love is like two di- different distinctions because I would have never have known.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: and I'm sorry for your loss. Oh, it's, yeah. so it, it's, it's so hard. It's very hard. hard. And, it, and it's like, and we're getting into double digits now of people I've known from high school who have you know, overdose. So it's yeah. just right. yeah. it's never ending. We,
0: yeah. We don't talk about that. What's happening in the Midwest and the drugs. It's just crazy. Yeah. Well, it's everywhere, but really mm-hmm. the Midwest, <laughs> but anyway, um, I'm so sorry, Nick, that's it's okay. really horrible. And I'm so thankful that you shared. That was yeah. you know, great. Um, and on that, I, I guess it's not really on that note, but Nikki and I have done a lot of work on ourselves internally and trying to create, like we had talked about creating boundaries with like family and, um, just trying to be more aware of ourselves and like what we say to people and how we interact and, Mm -hmm. and trying to come from a place of love instead of telling people what to do or how to act or whatever it may be. And a lot of times I know we face that with our parents every time Nikki and I chat, it's like, dude, this is going on, this is going on with my dad, this is going on with my mom, or whatever it may be, and we feel like we're becoming more emotionally intelligent and have, and we've always, we're open to working on ourselves, but when it Mm -hmm. comes to our parents, they are not accepting or not emotionally intelligent, and when you create a boundary or when you, you know, decide to do something for you and they have an opinion and don't respect that, um... How, how do you navigate having a relationship with a parent who isn't willing to work on themselves? That's a good can question. Can you have a relationship? <laughs> that's, a, that's an even better question. <laughs> I,
2: I know both personally and professionally that you can have a relationship with a parent that doesn't want to change because I have two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I work with a lot of a lot of clients that are in the same boat. You know, part of the reason why my why my platform, well, I'm a therapist, but why my platform <laughs> is mental health free free mental health psychoeducation is because the only reason that I'm capable of having a relationship with my parents even though they won't change is because of what I know about human beings mm-hmm. and the way that the mind works. And I think that that question—can you even have a relationship with your parents if they won't change? I think there's so many people around the world that have that question, and because yeah. they're lacking the information that we should be getting as we're growing up to like live in this fucking world, like we need to know these things.
1: Yes,
2: um, we're not given them, and so I, I love that you're asking this. And and what what I think about is when it comes to like, okay, like in the moment, setting a boundary. Right, a boundary is not stop talking to me about this, mm. right? Mm-hmm. But that happens. Mm-hmm. But that's you trying to control their behavior. And yeah. similar with the addiction, we we can't. We cannot change someone's behavior. Like, if we could, then jail would work a lot more. Yeah. yeah. It, doesn't. <laughs> that's <true>. oh, <laughs> it doesn't. Oh, amen. Yep. And so it's not stop talking to me about this, putting it on them. It's if you don't stop talking to me about this, then I am going to. Stop coming over, not talk to you about this part of my life anymore, whatever it is mm-hmm. if you then I versus mm-hmm. you need to stop, you need to change it's 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 you boundaries are you protecting yourself, not trying to change other people mm-hmm. yeah. so let's say that you're like if you if you keep talking to me about this political stance, I'm gonna stop coming over to your house, yeah as an example. And their response example. Is,
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: And their response is "Oh my god, I just can't even believe you. Like you don't respect my opinion. Like I'm your parent. Like yeah. you don't know what you're talking about. Like what whatever, whatever." And what's happening in their brain is we have a part of our brain called the r A-S, the reticular activating system. What that does is it basically actually does confirmation bias, that thing that we know. Like Mm -hmm. if you believe something, then you'll find things in your life to confirm that belief. Mm -hmm. There's actually a part in in our brain that does that. So what I'm imagining when my parents are doing their response, they're like, oh, I'm just like the worst mom ever. I'm like, girl, I've heard this for 30 years. This shit doesn't bother me anymore when you say this. But specifically, it's because—and it's like, and if you were, I wouldn't be talking to you right now, right. like at all. So, like, I know that what's going on in her mind is that—or in her brain is that that part of the brain is activated. That, which is like, this belief is different than mine, and I don't want to accept it because yeah. then then I won't feel so safe. Then I'll feel like, oh, my God, was I wrong? It'll rock her own sense of safety. Right. And because of that, because that part's being activated, so is the amygdala. Fear. Oh, my God. Is my child distancing themselves from me? Am I actually a bad parent? Was I wrong about this? Like, it really creates this sense of, like, instability in them, whoever it is, parent or anybody that you're trying to set a boundary with. It's why are they distancing themselves from me? What did I do wrong? Mm -hmm. But but we as human beings, we have an, an ego, you know, I don't really like the whole... It's
0: yeah. great but
2: like <laughs> but there's actual brain structures like that's what I focus on more because it's more helpful it's more like concrete like this is actually what's happening it's not like a metaphorical or a ego theory. in the right. ether yeah yeah the ego the the inner child it's like no <laughs> these are real physiological things going on in your brain and in your body and yeah. i think if we really looked at it that way pe- one people would believe it more mm. and two Um, it would be easier to like, like, I don't see when I'm in those moments where someone's not accepting my boundary, I have to step away from like the ego. I am Courtney. This is whoever, like we are two entities. No, we are biological beings with parts of our brain that automatically activate when we are feeling threatened. It has nothing to do with me. Their words are personalized on me because they're using my name and they're talking to me. But really what's going on in the brain is just, I don't want to be wrong and I think I might be wrong because somebody's telling me I'm wrong. So now I'm scared. Yeah. Whoa. So that's what I think about is I just think about this is what's happening when I set an appropriate boundary. If you, then I, or I'm going to stop doing this or I'm going to start doing that. It's always like from the I. It should be an I or end with an I. And someone responds the way that they respond. I just go, that's why this is one of my phrases. It's okay. Well, your unconscious is showing. Oh, it's like.
1: Oh. <laughs>
0: oh i can only imagine how my dad would react to that he'd be like ignorant you're ignorant i'm like okay who's ignorant here sir but that is not the right response oh my god wow your unconscious is showing
2: and that's the name of my book actually that i'm writing right now to explain all of this to each person that reads it and and, because and it's like how do those brain systems form? Like, you aren't just born with an RAS that believes one side of the political spectrum or one type of religion. Like, throughout your whole life, you are exposed to other people's belief systems, cultural conceptions, your own fears, your own wants, and it creates this, like, this filter of what you think is reality and what you don't and what you accept and what you don't. And so it's just like this whole, over your whole life, unless you're aware of it, and you can be like, I'm really being like fucking biased right now. Like I need to chill out, pull back, widen my scope and make sure that I'm not pinholing my brain into only wanting to look at these few things. Mm. And most of our parents (laughs) and most of the older generations, which I'm writing about also, they, we just, one, there was no time. We were like post-World War II, industrial, like nine to five. Yes very like dichotomous gender roles. Like it was just, nobody really, we lived in a free country, but nobody really like thought freely too much, yeah. you know, because things were going better than they were when we were in world wars. And so now it, now we're at a point where I think our generations and lower are like, wait, we live in a body. That's fucking weird. How does this thing work? <laughs> yeah. We live in society. It's not really working out. I need to learn about why and like how to do it differently. And then there's, like, the last piece is, like, the shit's not working, so we're pushing back, you know? And it's like, oh, my God, you're so entitled, and you're so disconnected Mm. from your family. And it's like, no, my family is disconnected, and Mm. I am entitled to the things I'm searching for, you know? Yeah. So, yeah.
0: As a human (laughs) being. See people as brains. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's so amazing to see... Because just even having your platform take off, the our generations, millennials and below, I really feel are becoming the change and being more aware and being more unified, even though the media is like not allowing that to come through, I really feel like. Um, but just seeing your platform take off and you having all these people interacting with you, millions of people do you feel that too? Do you see that? Okay, psychology and 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 just really diving into our personal selves and and being emotionally intelligent and just re- I hate that term, <laughs> term. but like just <laughs> being aware of your humanness and being aware of your subconscious and all of these things are becoming more um, accepted and seeing your your platform take off. Are you seeing that? Are you seeing the interaction that? makes you feel like there is hope for the next generations to come.
2: Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And I I love I love that that question and and the way that you worded it like the media not really letting that come through because one of my like I was just like looking up one of my like biggest mentors perspectives on like parents and children and like generational differences. Yeah. It's Dr. Gabor Maté. Mm. And he came out with this book called Hold On to Your Kids. Mm -hmm. And it's good, but like I read the first chapter and I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like you're not right. And what it said. (gasps) Yeah. And he's, and I'm like, what? And the first chapter is like, we have a serious problem on our hands in this country. And it was written like in the early 2000s. And the problem is, is that children have stopped listening to their parents and they're becoming influenced by their peers. And peers do not have what parents can give children. And what parents can give children is unconditional love, acceptance and maturity. And they are learning from their peers that are immature, incapable of making the right decisions and incapable of unconditionally loving one another. I'm like, What the fuck are you
1: talking about? That is wrong. Yeah. Oh, my God.
2: And then it's like, yeah. And then like how much fear, you know, does that bring into the older generations that like our kids are being messed up by their peers? And I was thinking about it as I was writing my book because I was like, oh, I'm going to see his perspective, see if I can quote any of his stuff. I'm like, oh, my God. Now I know for sure my stance on this because it's not his at all. And I do. I love him so much. And I was very surprised to see this this perspective of his. But the reality is that we don't get the unconditional love and the acceptance and the maturity from our parents. Mm -hmm. And before social media, we didn't know that we were all experiencing this or that a lot of us were experiencing this at the same time. So now that we have social media and we can communicate and we're aware that this one isn't something that we need to just put up with Mm -hmm. and two Mm -hmm. isn't something that we're just experiencing ourselves, we realize that we can get more unconditional love and more maturity and more acceptance from our peers. So I fully believe in the younger generations or our, our millennial generation and younger because we, I mean, look at some of the shit that we've done. Even like the most trivial bullshit, like on TikTok, people like buying all these tickets for like a Trump rally or whatever, and like he thinks
0: it's sold out, and oh, like yeah. it's not. Like but that's how we came together, and we almost broke right. down the system yeah. of, with doing the <laughs> cryptocurrency, like know, all of this right. stuff, like people buying stocks of the what was it, like AMC or Rob- GameStop, yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like,
2: GameStop, Isn't that kind of thing, <laughs> and, like. And it's like, Watch you know. Us. Yeah, and 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 honestly, I'm really like not a biased person. Like I understand why. I can see why the human brain in each person will pick one side or the other, right? Like I just understand how people can do that. Like literally what's going on in their mind, wh- which side do they feel most safe on and why based yeah. off of like what they grew up with and all of that. And 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 honestly, it could have been the reverse. Somebody could have done, you know, huge groups of people could have done that with Biden too. It's just the point is communication is getting across in our generations. And we are deciding what is important to us and that we're going to do something about it because we don't feel like the hierarchical structure of society is fucking working for us. We don't trust police. We don't trust politicians. We don't trust Mm. teachers. We don't trust our parents. We don't trust our employers. And it's not just because we are entitled snowflakes, Mm, right? (laughs) It's because we are human beings living on this planet. We understand our lives are important and we want to live in a world and live in a home and be in a family that respects that and honors that and we're not afraid to search for it elsewhere if we realize that it's not where it's supposed to be. Boom,
0: yes. So how can we, as people learn how to function as humans, where can we find our roadmap, <laughs>
2: we have to start by learning about the physical body that we live in yeah we have to learn about how our brain works it isn't lit- like psychology is not freud's ego id, and superego. like it's mm. not it psychology is the m- process of studying the mind and the mind comes from your brain like yeah. you know like there's been so much stigma like oh like it's all in your head like Yeah, it fucking is. Like, but it's not my thoughts. It's my brain. Like, it is my brain. And we need to know. We need to know. Like, this should be starting in school. And obviously, if you're listening to this, you're probably not in kindergarten. So, like, (laughs) you're probably a little fucked already, right? So, now that we're here, it's, like, we have to learn. Like, I honestly believe people should, like, learn. Like, take an an anatomy 101, physiology 101, uh, like, Biopsychology 101 like not even just psych- like psychology it's like just doesn't teach you enough like when i'm angry what happens in my body yeah when i'm angry what's activated in my brain when i'm threatened what's happening in my brain in my body mm-hmm. because we we think we are our thoughts only yeah and we're not and if we knew if we just had a perspective shift That we are alive in a human body and we can pause that body if we need to before we react or respond or absorb a belief. We get more agency over who we are, how we act, and how we feel. And I think once we have all of that information, how do we work? How does our mind and body work? Buy my book. $20. You'll learn all the shit that you need. (laughs) Plug it, girl. (laughs) I really believe that you will. Like If I could give it away for free I would I truly believe everybody needs it but my next step after this book is to really try to get this shit to be free when we are younger putting it in schools Mm. but once we have this information and we know like this is how my mind works this is how my body works then we really have to look that's after looking internal we have to look external when I was ignorant of how my mind and body worked what life did I create for myself Did I pick the career I really wanted or the career that made my parents happy so my body felt calmer when I was still living there? Did I, am I actually happy in my marriage? Am I actually straight? Am I actually gay? Am I actually happy? Like overall, do I want to be in this state? Do I understand finances? Do I eat the way I want to eat or the way I've been conditioned to eat when I was growing up? Yes. We need to, I mean, a lot. A term for this is like re, reparenting yourself, mm-hmm. but I think that's almost become like the ego at this point or yes. like inner child at this point. But we do need to learn how to retake care of ourselves. So once you learn how do my mind and body work and how are they functioning now? Yeah. Like for myself, because we're all individuals, is we can say like, oh, yes, your heart beats blood into it. Yeah. Or yeah, your heart. Beat yeah. I'm like, wait, I'm like, hang on, hold does on. Wait, it wait, it okay. I said, does your blood beat hard into it? Okay, I know what I'm talking okay. about. I swear. Um, but then it's like, but like, you know, like, go get a checkup. How does your body actually work, right? And then you want to figure out how does my mind actually work. So, like, from the outside, right? So do I drink enough water? Do I eat enough food? Do I get good sleep? What's my level of exercise? And then what are my relationships like in the world around me? What's my perspective on money? What's my perspective on sex? What's my perspective on career, success, failure? It's reprogramming yourself to be who you want to be and feel how you want to feel outside of the way you've been feeling and who you've been before you had a conscious choice to do something about it
1: you put it so like simple you put it (laughs) you literally break it down and that's why they probably called you the truth doctor because you just get straight you're a straight shooter you get straight to the point straight shooter (laughs) but for me when it's I struggle because something you had said was you know the way you were brought up the way that you were taught and then you're dealing with parents who haven't seen you evolve like they have it they still see me as their little Mm -hmm. girl so when I am saying oh I want to do this or I want to do that or whatever and then they have their feedback that they want to give me or they say you know Mm -hmm. you really Shouldn't do that. You blah, blah. I'm a recovering people pleaser and I still have these hard times of creating these boundaries with my parents. So when I'm learning from you, and I've done a lot of work on myself of learning how I don't want to be living my life anymore, what do you recommend for someone who, like me, is a recovering people pleaser and like I don't know how to tell someone no or I don't know how to take that and say, I'm going to do this? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well,
2: I think that people – thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I, I – <laughs> um, you know, something that people say to me is like um, – and the, along the same lines is like uh, I can't I – I feel so uh, – or this is so out of my control. Like let's say like the pandemic, for example. Yeah. I just want it to end. It's almost like I just want my parents to change. It's like, well, there's a lot of fucking variables that are going to go into both of these things, and you yeah. are not the only one that can make that happen.
0: Yeah.
2: But it's like, I, you know, I want, it, I want it to change. I want it to change. Like, I, I can't handle the fact that I cannot control the outcome of this.
0: Mm.
2: And what people don't realize is that we do handle things out of our control all the time. When a light turns red, when a store is closed, when somebody doesn't answer our phone call, We are actually exposed to many things out of our control, but we don't label them as out of our control. So then when something happens out of our control, we feel completely incapable of handling it. So you can apply that also to, I'm not good at saying no to people. It's like, okay, well then don't jump to, I need to like get used to telling my parents no, say no to the small things. Like, I don't even know. Like, like um, if, somebody prefers to call you and you want them to text you oh no if you could just text me instead small little things mm, small okay. little things even saying no to yourself like I really want to eat this thing or buy this thing but I shouldn't yeah. you know and and by eat by eating this thing it's like you know what let's say like a 50 dollars piece of cake you know I'm not talking about <laughs> diet or anything yeah. like just yeah. something where you're like I, I shouldn't do it <laughs> like you just you can be like, that's a fucking expensive piece of cake. <laughs> yeah. But it's like you can you can say no to yourself mm-hmm. and you just small little things and you start to build up your resilience. And honestly, you're probably already doing it. So maybe it's just recognizing when it's a no, when you're actually saying no and you didn't even realize it. Because yeah. that's going to teach your brain to attach the feeling of success. One, I did it. And two, comfortability. So if you feel like you can be comfortable and successful in saying no and you build that up in intensity over time, then it's going to honestly feel like a breeze eventually, like even if it feels really hard right now.
0: Yeah. Mm. Okay. Well, 2022, the year of saying no for us. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Courtney, you are a therapist. Obviously, we've talked about that, but you're also a recognizable face now on social media. How are you staying centered and keeping your you know, anxiety or fears or just maybe it, there's comments that are rude. Like, how do you keep yourself in check and not spiral in this world that you're in now? That's
2: mm-hmm. a good question. I really think, again, it just goes back to knowing how my, knowing how my mind and body works, and then I know how other people's work. <laughs> if someone's like, oh, a therapist shouldn't say fuck. It's like, well, who told you that you couldn't say it and for yeah. how long?
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know she's so sassy she's still so so sassy (laughs) but like like, it's not even sassy it's just like straight up yeah like well who told you that because you should be able to say it too let's fuck 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 fuck, fuck. yeah
2: Yeah. I just know that that well I think the biggest thing and and I say this a lot and some people are like what the fuck and other people are like oh yeah I totally get that nobody knows me Nobody really knows me. Yeah. Not even my husband, not even my son, because the way that the brain works is we we all have a different perception of every single person we've ever met, and every single person that has ever met you thinks of a different you. Yeah. So the you that you are, nobody can ever know and nobody can ever judge, even the people closest to you. So like they're like like take celebrities for example. When we think about Bradley Cooper, we think about the Bradley Cooper we see in movies or on the red carpet. We don't really think about Bradley Cooper taking a shit.
0: Yeah. Do yeah. we? No. Like, right. but he
2: does, or <laughs> wiping his nose, or being upset, or deciding between fucking soda or beer, what, right. whatever it is, you know? Like, we're all human beings, actual human beings, and we usually judge human beings when we are only taking in a very small aspect of who we actually think that they are and even who we think that they are isn't actually who they are so I just feel protected like it's what either way it's other people's stuff being put onto me and even if they are accurate they're only judging a really small part of myself Mm. and I also think the last thing I'll say on this is like I would be comfortable living in a studio, like with nothing, as long as I had my family. And so I don't feel threatened. Like even if all of my platforms went away, like I am not attached to success or fame or or material wealth in any way. So I just feel like you want to take it all away from me? You want to cancel me if I ever do something wrong? Like that's okay because I'm still alive on the planet in this universe and I don't know why I'm here, and I don't know why you're here, and like we're all just trying to figure it out. And so I just don't take it so seriously. The only thing I take seriously is the suffering of other human beings, and everything else can just take a back seat.
1: Well, we're gonna switch gears. We do a portion on here. It's our mm-hmm. pop culture segment. It's called When I Sip. It's pretty similar to your YouTube therapist reacts videos. So our first celebrity we want to ask you about is Britney Spears. So obviously our girl Brit was recently you know, released from her conservatorship after 14 years, um, someone else controlling her. Uh, in your expert opinion, though, what do you think the future holds for our girl? honestly
2: oh okay so I'm going to start by saying um, I am not diagnosing her and do not know all of the variables that I need to know in order to make this analysis I'm not sure that she's going to ever be okay again yeah. and that's but at the same time people can change and people can grow the problem for Britney Spears is that she's Britney Spears yes yeah. it's that she will never even know her own name as a neutral statement. Yeah, and that's going to be really hard for her to hold an identity that is separate from all the pain and separate from all the fame. It's kind of why I went with the truth, Doctor. I still go by Doctor. Courtney, but nobody, nobody, like nobody, calls me by my maiden name. And that's when my identity was formed. And she's Britney Spears, and she always has been. That plus where the hell can she go in the world and be treated like a normal person? Nowhere. Nowhere. Nowhere, yeah. So my hope for her in the future is that I really hope that she can really pull away from everything, stop dyeing the hair, put on some pajamas, lay down on the ground, and just breathe Mm. being a human being. And she's so in her head. Like, they have really manipulated her brain systems oh, yeah. by manipulating her outer environment and her life. Yeah. So I'm really concerned, actually. Yeah. And I think that they have done what what can be permanent damage yeah. to her being, her life. It's just absolutely heartbreaking. Absolutely not the way someone should ever be treated from before the conservatorship happened yeah, yeah. with the media and everything all the way through the conservatorship and and to now, even with like the hashtag free Britney movement and everybody being so grateful that she's free, we are grateful that she's free because of the icon that she is to us in our minds. Mm You know, We also may think, yes, Britney Spears is a human being, she's a human being, but there are other, there are so many other human beings dealing with the same issues when it comes to conservatorship and we focus on Britney Spears because she's a pop icon and that in itself is it? Of course, it helped her, right? Helped yes. her get free, but it doesn't allow her to be. It doesn't allow her to really be a human or see herself as one because there aren't millions of people doing that for other regular human beings.
1: Yeah, Ugh. yeah. So I was going to ask yeah. that too. Do you think like the Britney, like the Free Britney movement, even though it helped her in a sense, it almost hurts her too because she thinks she has these people who are a support system for her, but. In the actuality, she doesn't really know any of these people. She doesn't have a normal relationship. Those aren't her friends. They're still just, she's Britney Spears and these are her fans.
2: Yeah, I think that it would be different if she had like a huge um, inner circle that was as supportive as the Free Britney movement was, that then the Free Britney movement wouldn't have so much of like an iconic impact on her. But, but because she, she doesn't sound like and she said that she didn't have that, yeah um either people literally just weren't there for her or they were like not allowed to be in communication with her because of the conservatorship for one reason or another um then it would be different she would still have that support and feel like a human but she was really just a celebrity i mean the reason why this happened and she got free was because she's a, a celebrity yeah
0: well, switching gears real quick to Taylor Swift because I'm a huge Swifty and I, I watched your videos. I know you said you weren't a Swifty and now you're, you're converting. Um, you know, she, in all of her music videos and everything in her lyrics, she is a genius. But um, in my opinion, but you said. Um, so, or sorry. So, she's pure genius, yes. But from a psychological therapist perspective, do you think that she, it's healthy for her to be rehashing the past as as she is over and over again? I
2: feel like with these with these old songs, I feel like I feel like we are rehashing it. Yeah, I don't really feel like she is. I feel like what. I guess what she is doing is probably maybe saying the lyrics with more emphasis because it it, it's you know, she's having to re-record all of these because it was just like, you know, another body above herself, organizational or human, like saying you can't have or you can't be or you can't do Mm -hmm. and she's like, actually I can. And then I think that she's like, you know, lengthening some of these songs out and adding a lot more art to it because why the hell not? You know, I don't necessarily think she's trying to rehash it. But one thing that I think she maybe she has done this, but I I haven't I haven't seen it yet is like because we are rehashing it, right? We're bringing all the shit up again. <laughs> oh yeah. Um she there hasn't been a statement of like how about we don't? Mm. How about we don't rehash this? How about we don't send death threats to John and Jake? Like yeah. how about we don't, right? Like that That hasn't come out from her. And, of course, there's debate like, oh, she doesn't have to. Everybody's interpretation of her art is their own. She can't control everybody else. That's true. And you can always put a disclaimer or a recommendation. So, like, I don't know. I think that'd be good for her to do. But I don't think she's necessarily, like, hashing it out herself. Plus... It's her music, you know? Is she like, oh, I'm not heartbroken anymore, so I have to pretend like the song doesn't exist? Like, yeah, no, he broke my heart, and he's going to have to deal with it because it was like a platinum hit. And I'm going <laughs> to <Sorry>. monetize <laughs> off
1: this shit, okay? Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um, Well, we know that you have to go soon. But one thing we did not touch on was something you've been very open about, which is your diagnosis with borderline personality disorder. Um, Kristen uh, actually Mm -hmm. recently um, had a family member who was diagnosed with this. So could you please elaborate and maybe tell everyone what borderline personality disorder is and how has it affected you? And you're, you know, you're a therapist who suffers from this. So how are you able to help people when you're, Mm -hmm. you know, suffering?
2: Yeah, so borderline personality disorder is a cluster B personality disorder that has symptoms of intense um, emotional dysregulation, impulsivity, um, uh, severe anxiety, some just overall, it's like impulsivity, self injurious, sometimes self injurious behavior, and it's all related to the inability to manage your emotions but it shows up in two different ways there's outward borderline personality disorder where like you're just super angry and like you'll hit other people and you yell at them and blame them and then there's also quiet bpd where it's the opposite it's i'm going to implode instead of explode because i can't deal with my emotions i don't think anybody else can deal with them either And then there's a mix of both. Like for me, the only times I explode and I rarely do now is with people who have hurt me in the past. So my mom and my husband. Everybody else gets quiet, Courtney. Everybody else gets, oh, let me do whatever it is that you want and that you need. Um, And that can confuse people sometimes. Like anybody, people that have BPD, people that are in relation to people that have BPD. But, you know, I think, when mine my BPD is a, a a result from complex trauma when I was younger. And so I think for me, what I and through complex trauma, you're often really capable of compartmentalizing, like, here's my pain. Here's my life because that's the only way to survive. Mm-hmm. So when I work with people, I'm extremely good at compartmentalizing. I am objective. I am calm. I am pleasant, and I can truly, Um, interpret what it is that they're saying through their own lens add my clinical two cents and help them then I help myself afterwards right and the things that helped me mainly were coming from a Buddhist perspective or any type of Eastern philosophy of non-attachment and non-aversion because that's really what it is we want to for people that have borderline we want to attach to feeling good and we're so afraid of feeling bad yeah And that's really hard to realize because it's like, oh, but you make other people feel bad. And it's like, no, it's that I feel so bad and I don't know how to control it. And so it comes out. And often people will say like, oh, borderline or even people with narcissistic personality disorder, they don't know that they're hurting other people. And so they're not going to stop or they don't care that they're hurting other people. So they're not going to stop. And that's not true. Even when I, have my own experience and when I've worked with people with borderline personality disorder and narcissistic personality disorder, We know, and we don't like it. We know, and we don't want to hurt you because we know what it feels like to be hurt. Mm -hmm. Even if we say we want to hurt you and we don't care, it's a defense mechanism. So I learned about how the mind and body worked. And I worked on Buddhist Eastern practices of non-attachment, non-aversion, radical acceptance, um, and it really helped. And interestingly, the creator and developer of DBT, Dialectical Behavioral Therapy, the number one treatment for borderline personality disorder, also has borderline personality disorder. Mm. And Buddhism is what helped her create dialectical behavioral therapy. Mm. And half of it is actual Buddhist practices of meditation, mindfulness, and radical acceptance. Mm. So I think a lot of it too with borderline has to do with the inacceptance of extreme emotions in society and family And then it becomes a disorder because the person tries to manage those intense emotions on their own in a disordered fashion because we don't really know how to handle it. And once we apply these practices of acceptance of what's really going on internally and externally, we work on not attaching to only the good and not averting to the bad, we can sit there for a moment, look at our own minds and create space. I think the main thing I'll say is impulses happen a lot faster than conscious choices Uh, and if we can create space between the feeling and the behavior that space is the cure the solution the the answer because all that really borderline personality disorder is is a really intense uncomfortable terrible feeling inside an inability to deal with it, and an immediate impulsive response one way or another. So we create space. We just create space. And there's so many different ways to do that, but that ultimately is what's really, that's what helps people.
0: And what were the? What was the book that helped you with that? Will you share? What was the book? Well, there's,
2: yeah, there's a dialectical, there's a lot of dialectical behavioral therapy books by Marsha Linehan. Okay. That can be really helpful. But I actually have the two books that helped me. One of them, one of them is Be Here Now, and it's like not a psychology book. It's written by Ram Das. Oh, okay. And it's just, it's all about his journey um, called Be Here Now. And it's he was a a doctoral professor and then started doing a bunch of psychedelics mm-hmm. and realized how the mind and body worked and that he could detach from everything that he believed to be himself and focus on just accepting things as they are without labels, without good or bad, without anything like that. That, and then The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. Truly incredible. I cried throughout the whole thing. I was so seen, (sighs) and it was just really enlightening that, that if I can pause enough to feel the emotion happening in my body, then I can adjust my body, and that pause while I'm doing that Quiets my mind. And then I can think for a second. Yeah. How am I really feeling? Am I threatened? And how do I actually want to respond?
0: Thank you so much because this, I'm going to buy one of these for this person for Christmas because it doesn't seem like it's like a therapy thing because I think that. This is an older generation person, so I think therapy scares our parents' generation. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but it is, like you said, they didn't have time. Anyway, mm-hmm. that is wonderful. And then also, Courtney, Dr. Courtney, when is your book coming out? Tell us about yes. your podcast coming out. Mm-hmm. I know you'll be at VidCon also in 2022. Give us some plugs, girl.
2: <laughs> yeah, so there's a shit ton. <laughs> so I um. Well, I have the book coming out. Um, It'll probably be available for pre-order at the end of 2022. I didn't know publishing took so long. It is called Your Unconscious is Showing. I also have a charity called Your Unconscious is Showing, an album called Your Unconscious is Showing, and a podcast Your Unconscious is oh, okay. Showing, all launching at the same time at the end of next year. Awesome. Then my my podcast, The Truth Doctor Show podcast, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, something like that, is coming out in February, and I'm going to have episodes of just like the truth about this, the truth about that, all mental health related. I'm currently auditioning for two TV shows to start at the end of next year. Woo! that are mental health good completed. luck, girlfriend. Ah. Yes, thank you. Um, and I'm coming out with some products. so some some beanies that say no bullshit, which oh. will be really cool. some some sweatsuits that say human, which will be really cool too. And then I'm also coming out with a product that I think is really applicable to say at the end of this episode. I And during Father's Day this year, I got into a huge fight with my husband because I have severe anxiety, and he knows I have severe anxiety, and he was treating me in a way as if he... Was that, He was acting like I wasn't his wife that had severe anxiety. So I was super anxious, and he didn't know, and I didn't have the communication skills, yes, as a therapist, in the moment, yeah. to be like, I'm super anxious. Here's what's going on with me. So we, I lost it on him, and we had a, a really bad night over this Father's Day weekend. We turned that into a product. No. So many people... Have to go to couples therapy or family therapy to have to know what questions to ask the person that's struggling. And the person that's struggling usually has to go to therapy to find the language to explain what's really going on for yeah. them. Mm. So I'm coming out with a 50 question card deck that's called In This Together, and it pulls 50 questions that a therapist would ask in the middle of two to four people, specifically about specific disorders so the first one we're coming out with is anxiety there's questions on how to learn about it how to listen to the person that has it and then how to connect a plan for how you guys can work together and be in this together in terms of getting better Mm -hmm. anxiety is going to come out then depression then personality disorders addiction trauma eating disorders a new addition every six months so people can actually learn and not have to pay hundreds or thousands of dollars to just know what am i supposed to ask and, and, and can I have language for the answers? So every card will have a QR code for the person that has the disorder who can cl- go to the QR code. And it'll say when it's like one question is like, what are some coping skills that are helpful for you that I can do with you? The person might be like, I have no idea. Scan the QR code. Here's a list of 15 that you can choose from and talk about together. Mm. 50 of those. So I'm really excited to come out with that. It's a personal and professional problem I think needs to be solved yes. since mental health information and therapy is inaccessible right now mm-hmm. and a constant problem between individuals. Yes. So it's gonna be a really good year.
0: Yes. <laughs> Congrats. And tell tell everyone where they can follow you on Instagram, TikTok, all the things. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes. So thetruthdoctor.com and then mainly TikTok and Instagram at the period truth
0: period doctor.
1: Yay! Thank you so Thank much, you. Dr. Courtney.
0: This has been wonderful.
1: We appreciate you. You're welcome. Yes. <laughs> so, that was our guest, Dr. Courtney Tracy. You guys, I think I fell in love with her during this episode. And I think mm. I fell in love with her because, like, she just is such a straight shooter like me. Like, I cut through a lot of BS. Like, I didn't just, I don't have time. I don't have time. And mm-hmm. she's spent the time. I mean, you guys heard all of the shit she went through. In her life, all of the trauma, all of the triggers that surround her upbringing and, you know, uh, uh, going in with her, you know, not growing up without a father and a father figure and, you know, her mom, yeah. the, the traumas and triggers she had to deal with with her mom. And it's so it's so relatable and so similar to what we all have experienced maybe in different ways. But we also, she yeah. mentioned in the episode, we all were experiencing same, same things. And social media now has opened the floodgates for everyone to kind of commiserate together, in a sense, to talk about yeah. it, to make and, these things more aware um, and more, more well known in the generations above us, because they just they don't they don't understand
0: they don't understand yeah they don't it's
1: their generation that's for sure
0: yeah and I I love the um. Her talking about setting boundaries because mm. you and I talk about this all the time, all the time, um, and how difficult that is with family. Mm. And honestly, only within the last few months of my life have I really started being like, yep. "I'm not putting up with this. I love you, but no, right." And um, it's freeing and and you get that pushback and like how to handle that like speaking with her about that and like coming from a place of like understanding because we've done the work on ourselves and Mm -hmm. being aware of why they're feeling triggered and that it's you know a control and anger and things that they have not dealt with within themselves and just being able to bring ourselves above it and be like just let them breathe and do their thing and we'll just be like well it's not okay for me so I'm just going to do this and and if you want to do that that's okay. Just feeling like what we're doing is 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 not not right or wrong but we're on the right path or on right. a decent path, Nikki. Like, right. with I know. <laughs> starting to that process in our lives.
1: I, I was know. Like, oh, I feel yes. sane hearing you talk like this. And me and you talk about it a lot off the off the mic, you know, because we are, we're close friends outside of this podcast and we, we, I know we've texted, we've talked on the phone, we've honestly, I've called, you called me one weekend to talk about something and we ended up talking 30 minutes about our parents. Like that's kind of always what diverts, like our, our conversations always divert to that and mm-hmm. I think something that resonated with me and I know you were like, wow, when she was saying this was the little no's that we say to ourselves or to them even, um, Mm -hmm. we don't even know we're doing it. And that's getting us prepared for when we are ready for those bigger no's. And Mm -hmm. that resonated with me. And something else that she said was really eye-opening for me was that when I say I'm setting a boundary, I think it's the responsibility of the other person to stop doing something. So for me yeah. when she made the, the you know the the whole thing of like ah, uh, you need to stop doing this so or I will stop doing this or I will start doing this if you don't stop doing this like it's always like that yeah. that analogy she used and I think that that was so yes. eye opening for me because I'm always like helpful. Yeah, one of the things I always do is Skirting think the other around person. It. <laughs> yeah, and the other person has to do for it. that. Mhm. Yeah. And not me. But
0: it's on us first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Taking our ownership of like I'm going to do this if you don't stop doing this. And it's like, I'm going to, yeah, versus being like you, 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 like you, she was you, saying.
1: You. Mm-hmm. So good. Such good gems. I'm excited for her book to come out because I am going to pre-order that shit and read it because this girl, I, I tell, I'm i telling you guys I'm in love. I'm obsessed. <laughs> I know. I hope she does an
0: audiobook too, because I'd love her voice and also I'm just better with audiobooks. Yes. But I'm getting better with holding on to a book. But yeah, love an audiobook. Hope you do that, Dr. Courtney. Um, and her talking about BPD because she experiences that herself. Um, what did she call it? Borderline personality disorder, mm-hmm. because um, I have a family member that deals with this and I don't know how aware they are of the hurt that has been caused throughout the years. Um, And it's been very detrimental to our relationships within our family. And honestly came to a head at Thanksgiving and I'm very thankful I wasn't there (sighs) to experience it. And with Christmas setting boundaries, like we're talking about has been huge surrounding this person and, and knowing that I am, for those listening, I am in a fragile health state at the moment. I'll expand on it eventually someday. But I am not willing to put myself in a high stress environment during this time. And like talking to her, talking to Dr. Courtney about how to deal with people having that um or just you know having a name to put on the way that these actions have impacted our family um it's kind of nice so yeah. it was very it's very synchronistic that this happened and we were able to speak to Dr. Courtney because I just found out recently um that BPD runs in my family
1: yeah so
0: very eye opening and I am very very thankful that she came on I hope she had a good time because I felt like we all really clicked and it was yeah. it was good it was very eye opening and Perfect timing for right before the holidays.
1: <laughs> yes. Because we got uh, some tools. We do. We, if you guys listen to this episode before Christmas, and you know, I hope you guys are able to take as much away from it as we did to help us get through this next week with our family. I know that a lot of times family get a, get togethers cause triggers and traumas uh, and bring up past feelings, and that's not a good way to go yeah. into these holidays. So I wish nothing but the best for everyone. Uh, I know me and Kristen want to wish you guys a happy holidays. All right. Bye guys. Bye.
0: Start your week off with some boss lady energy every Monday and send us your suggestions for future episodes. Slide
1: into those DMS and follow us on social media at boss lady energy pod.